Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And for the second time in two days, <laughs> I am Casey Bartley. Yes, so for those that don't follow us on Twitter, we recorded... I can't believe you said that thing that was so bad about Brian Cardinal. Uh, yeah, that right. Responsible right. me had to delete it. Yeah, so we recorded this originally Wild on Friday time. night uh, after the Purdue versus Yale game. Uh, for some reason, whatever Casey did to record... Uh, there is now a podcast living somewhere in the internet uh, that the uh, people in the Matrix can listen to, but you cannot. So we are re-recording on Saturday night to get this out to you uh, late Saturday night or early Sunday morning. Uh, but hey, I mean, at least we know a little bit more about who Purdue's going to play, when they're going to play, and what network it's going to be on. So uh, we've at least got that going for us. So, Casey, you were at the game in Milwaukee Uh so, I'm Skippy. Purdue, obviously victorious. Um, we love to see it. Love to get out of that first round. It's always a little iffy. Um, what can you tell me about being there uh, in the stadium? As far as NCAA tournament environments, you know, this is the first time back since COVID. It was not anywhere close to the most Purdue-centric of neutral sites. Even the last time when we played here in 2017 in Milwaukee, that was a Purdue-dominated crowd. Big part of that reason, Wisconsin's in our bracket. So that definitely right. changed it. Still pretty good energy in the arena. You know, it's still a packed house and it will be, I'm assuming, well, it's going to be interesting to see because now we know Sunday, it'll be Wisconsin playing first, Purdue playing second. Are the Wisconsin fans going to leave after a win and go get drunk in Milwaukee, which is a wonderful thing to do? Maybe? Possibly? <laughs> it's possible, especially Wisconsin fans. They like alcohol. Here. They do. Um, so like that could 
kind of bring a weird energy, but I, I don't think a quiet arena after the last couple of years is going to throw anyone off. But I, I think the thing we learned throughout not just Milwaukee, but this tournament is we said this was a year of parody. There's not really any dominant teams. Well, one seeds and two seeds are falling down everywhere. Yeah. And Purdue is one of the few teams to control a game from tip to finish. Yeah, didn't really have a problem. Um, the final score, of course, 78-56. Purdue dominant really for most of the game. I believe Yale had a lead at about 16-15 uh, was the score at the time. And then after that, Purdue went on a 10-0 run. And after that, it really wasn't in doubt. You know, the the lead fluctuated a little bit here and there, and Purdue would have won by more, uh, but they put in the walk-ons with about two and a half minutes left, and <laughs> that was just wild. Uh, the, you know, they didn't really take care of the basketball. Yale was kind of hoping to maybe uh, make the am score I supposed look to a little not, better. Am I not supposed to say what I said last time? You can do whatever you want to do. This is uh, this is our get podcast. At. We get yelled at when you say bad things about walk-ons. No, I'm not saying any bad things about them. They turned the ball over, uh, I think, twice. A lot. Um, but, I mean, you know, they're, they're guys who don't get game real live game minutes, not exactly getting uh, the most time in practice focused on them. So I get it. You know, it's tough for them. Uh, Purdue had 12 turnovers in the game, but two of them were by the walk-ons at the end of the game. So really, 10 turnovers uh, in an NCAA tournament game is is beautiful and is something that Purdue has struggled with quite often throughout this year. So to see it um, be whittled down to just 10 was great. But, you know, Purdue had some good and some bad. So, Casey, who do you think played particularly well for Purdue in this matchup against Yale? I mean, pretty much everyone. I thought Edie was obviously dominant. It's very encouraging how many fouls he drew. And he drew them early. He's not getting beat up for 15 seconds, and then they call a foul. Like, they they were pretty on it. Pretty good job. Jaden Ivey's similar thing got to the line a lot. Both of them played well. Um, Those two are so good that you both – kind of want to brush past it, and at the same time you don't, because I do think that one, too, is as good as there is in the nation. And when you have a dependable play, like Ivy, Edie, pick and rolls, or even Edie post-ups, that's the way you avoid scoring spells, especially in the tournament when defenses get really hard. If you have stuff you can get to that they can't take away, that is a luxury not many teams have this year. Yeah, I, so I, I mean... that's a huge thing. Between Ivy and... Ivy... Ivy and Ivy. Edie... Oh, man. They had 38 points and grabbed 13 rebounds. So that is uh, pretty darn good between the two of them. And, you know, Trevion Williams uh, only wound up with eight points but grabbed 10 rebounds and came into the game and played with a lot of energy. Um, and especially good for him, he was 4 of 4 at the free throw line. Um, so being able to take away a team's ability to kind of foul him in a late game situation to to think maybe he's going to miss the first one or miss them both would be huge for this Purdue team as they go through the tournament. Um, I know going into the game, our biggest concern was Swain from Yale, and he certainly lived up to that at the beginning of the game. Started out five for five, uh, hit a couple buckets, buckets over Isaiah Thompson and then Eric Hunter Jr. Um, started five for five, like I said, but wound up 8 of 19, so that means he was 3 of 14 after that really hot start, and uh, that is great, making him work for those shots, because he scored 18 points on 19 shots, um, and we will take that against a team's best player any day of the week. Absolutely. Um, that kind of twirls into a point where we got pretty good production from our bench as well, and a big part of that was Morton coming in and guarding Swain late in the second half. Or not late in the second half, but in the second half. Uh, he's a big body that was very effective. And 
it's good to see our bench be productive. Caleb first had a great game off the yes. bench. 10 points on, I believe, two shots. Yep. Had two shots. Yep. Two of two. Got to the free throw line, grabbed a couple big rebounds, had two steals. Uh, in general, Purdue played the passing lines pretty well. You're going to get that when you overwhelm a team with your physicality like Purdue can do to Yale. That's not normally our MO, but I did think Edie was pretty good closing off the lanes, getting some big guys in trouble down there where they had to force out passes where there were no real lanes to get to. But between Morton's contribution and first contribution, and then Trey played a decent, not great game, didn't need to score at all, really, had four assists. When when we have three guys off the bench to go with a starting five that I'm pretty sure we're pretty confident is going to keep up with any, any team starting five in the nation, when we get bench production, we are a very, very good team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was amazed Morton grabbed 20 minutes uh, in this game. Uh, a lot of that obviously was going to be due to his defense. He only took one shot, didn't make it. Uh, one rebound, one assist, two steals. But being able to throw him in there and you know you can trust him on defense is huge for this team. Um, you know, Purdue really did empty the bench. I mean, uh, we had Frost getting minutes, Wilborn getting minutes, so uh, Barrett getting minutes. Uh, they each had two as the, as the walk-ons came in, but... Thompson had 13, Newman had 9, uh, Morton with 20, and uh, First with 21. So the ability to get those guys minutes and give someone like Jaden Ivey a little bit of rest, he only had to play 28 minutes in this game. Uh, Eric Hunter Jr. only played 24. Sasha Stefanovic had a bit of a rough game, started out 0 for 3 from 3-point land, wound up 2 of 8, so it was good to see him hit uh, 2 of his last 3 to finish with 6 points, but we really need Sasha to uh, be a consistent presence uh, behind the arc because that just changes really what Purdue can do on offense to have him out there along with Ivy and Edie truly playing uh, top-notch basketball. So we really hope uh, that Sasha can build off that two out of three that he had there at the end and uh, look a little better in this next game coming up against Texas. It felt like a big moment, right, when finally, after going 0-5 in the first half, Sasha had five wide-open looks, good looks, had time to sit on it, think about it, and he missed all of them. Missed them bad. Yeah, a couple couple of them them barely hit the rim. To see him finally get those two to go down within about a minute, the second one on a wild play that started as a steal at half court, then was a missed alley-oop to Ivy, and then a missed putback, and then another offensive rebound, and then Sasha's ball hit the rim, backboard, twirled around, twirled out, went back in, finally just fell through the net. It felt like a big moment at the time. Like Finally, the lid came off the rim for him, and you're absolutely right. We have to have him. Texas is going to be a tough game. They're a physical team. They've got big guards. It'll be interesting to see how he does on the defensive end. But you put up with that because he can be such a threat behind the arc. If he's not making those shots and he's a defensive liability, that's how Purdue gets in trouble. Right. That's how Purdue gets in a lot of trouble. Right. Yeah, and then we saw that, I think it was last year uh, when Sasha just kept getting, they would just kept switching on to Sasha on defense and just scoring and scoring on him in the NCAA tournament, um, and that really sunk Purdue last year. So uh, we we really need Sasha to kind of carry his weight on the offensive end because, as you said, he's not a defensive superstar. His value really becomes uh, really comes from hitting those shots behind the arc. So let us hope that he can truly build on uh, build on what happened at the second half there. So 
Anything else about this game that stands out to you, or are we ready to take a break and head on and look at both the rest of the East region as well as our game coming up against Texas? I think that's it. All right, so we will take a break, be back, look at the East, and look at the game coming up against the Texas Longhorns. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. So, Casey, I know uh, every now and then I start the podcast with a question, but I would like to start this segment with, with a question Ooh. if you are ready. I love questions any time of the day. Let's go. So you are, of course, currently in Milwaukee, correct? Yes. Or at least maybe in the outskirts. I'm not sure where your hotel I is. I got this question, didn't I? I what? Did no, right? that, that was not the oh. question. No, that was not it. Damn. That was not it. All right. Um, so do you know the meaning of the word Milwaukee? Um, no. It is actually, and for those people who are big fans of Wayne's World will know this answer, it is actually an Algonquin word pronounced Milwaukee, meaning the good land. Yeah, so there you go. that's what I said. There you go. Uh, I just so had I'm to, in the good land. You are. I had to bring that out just for anybody who has ever seen Wayne's World and knows that Alice Cooper. I've seen Wayne's World. Alice Cooper tells them that. So just absolutely beautiful synergy now as we move is that the one that is that the one that bites bats? No, that is Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, didn't? Who's the other one that did thing with like birds? I, I don't know what you're going for, so I can't help you out. I got. I, I got. Alice you got to give me more than that. But I think he didn't he bite a bat too. Yeah, again, you're thinking of Ozzy. I'm I'm googling Alice Cooper bit of bat. Okay, well you you keep that. That up was actually I, Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Google. Amazing. Being a dick like you. Amazing that I'm right. <laughs> uh, so it's got the same Ledman tone. Did you write this article? I did. Yeah, I <laughs> did. So looking ahead at the East region, uh, Casey, it's been pretty good 
for a possible Purdue ah, that's, trip. That's the optimism you're not letting yourself believe in, I isn't know, it, Ledman? So, it's the optimism! <laughs> so earlier today, uh, Baylor, UNC, Purdue, of course, played UNC earlier what happened? and beat them. The one seed one? Uh, no, they did not. The eight oh, seed North Carolina Tar Heels took down Baylor, so Baylor oh. is now out. I wonder how Purdue would look against North Carolina. It's an interesting question because, as I said, we, in fact, beat them already this year. Oh, shit! So, right now, uh, UCLA and St. Mary's are playing UCLA. Well, we still have the two seed to worry about. But UCLA, hold on. UCLA is winning that game. And then, of course, uh, on Friday, Kentucky was defeated by 15 seed St. Peter's. No. Yeah. What's the St. Peter's? They're the Peacocks. Oh, which one's St. Peter? Uh, he he's, the, he's the one who is at the pearly gates. Really? Let's, let's you into heaven. Hmm. You know, the REM song, Here's a Truck Stop Instead of St. Peter? How no? do you get that? How do you get that gig? I assume he knew a guy. You know, you, it's like, <laughs> you got to know a guy. To the be guy. The, the doorman at heaven. That's probably knew the guy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so we got the one seed and the two seed already out of our bracket. Um, Purdue, of course, the three seed. So the highest remaining seed in the East are our beloved Purdue Boilermakers. And tomorrow, or today, if you're listening on Sunday, on TNT at 8.40 p.m., Purdue takes on the Texas Longhorns, uh, who defeated Virginia Tech 81-73. to Texas, of course, coached by longtime Purdue nemesis Chris Beard, who has beaten them twice. But also, apparently, I read today, uh, Chris Beard and Matt Painter are good friends. Which I've heard that Chris Beard went to the ABA because of Matt. What do you mean? He got an ABA coaching job Oh, through Matt. That's weird. Yeah. Matt Painter knew a guy. Chris Beard wanted to keep coaching. We talked about this like three years ago when we played him last time, too. Oh, okay. We didn't, but they did. Oh, I was like, I, we did not have yeah. this podcast then. Um, no, I mean, pretty much Chris Beard is to Bobby Knight what Matt Painter is to Gene Katie in a way. So they kind of met that way. Indiana kids. Um, so, you know, Painter's an angel and uh, he's the devil. Good. Good, good, good. the devil. Um, so I know... Well, Bob today, Knight's the devil. Yes, of course. Demon. Uh, so today was uh, press conference day. Did you hear anything exciting or interesting from any of the players or Painter or anything about this upcoming game against Texas? Um, I will tell you that Texas is a very loose squad, which is what I expected, because that's absolutely what we saw from Texas Tech. That's what we saw from Arkansas Little Rock. Chris Beard keeps his teams light. Once again, when they beat us in Boston... Uh, the amount of loudspeakers playing from their locker room immediately after they were having a rave. Uh, <laughs> it was alarming. It was not very nice for those not celebrating. Yeah, you never want a uh, rave to be at your expense. I feel like yeah, that can't it's, be it's a rave in your face. Yeah. Like, it does not feel good. Um, yeah, I don't want to feel my sadness in slow, like, thumps. Boom, boom. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, nothing... Painter's always really good at these, gives thoughtful answers. He talked about how, you know, he needed to change. I wrote an article today kind of based around that, how, you know, not being stubborn, learning things. The ones, the games where you make a mistake really sit with you. And he felt that way about the Little Route game, which I went back and watched a lot of those highlights. And a lot of this fear that we have for Chris Beard is based upon that game. I'm telling you what, that game couldn't be replicated uh, one time out of a million. What do you mean? They hit so many just garbage 32 footers, hand in their face three. They hit like five of them in the last two minutes to come back. 
Yeah, that game that game was wild. Um, and I think we might have mentioned this in the last podcast, or it could have been in the one that we recorded that is somewhere in the Matrix. Uh, you know, the second time Beard and Painter met, it was immediately after Isaac Haas, you know, busted his elbow. And if Isaac Haas plays in that game, Purdue wins. Uh, to me, it's without a question. So I, I think that is why I'm not as scared as Chris of Chris Beard as I was at one time. You know, if you sit back and put even just a little bit of thought into it, you realize Purdue would be one and one against him were it not for a catastrophic injury. So um, that that takes a lot of the fear away for me. Yeah, I spent the morning rewatching that game uh, from tip to finish. Do you know what really stood out to me, Ludman? What's that? How much this Purdue team is not like those Purdue teams at all. They were so limited in what they could do offensively. Oh, yeah. We we think of them as because we love everyone on that team. It was a very important draft class. It was a lot of guys we really like. We like the way they played, but Dakota Mathias could not be depended on to go get a bucket. That's not that that wasn't his game. PJ Thompson, not his game. Uh, even that former Ryan Klein with that offense really didn't have the freedom to do what we saw him do the next year against Tennessee. Right. And we were left with uh, pretty much Carson could do what Carson did, but even then he wasn't, he, he wasn't Carson in his final form yet at that point. Not at all. And like, if you can make 35 footers off, off the dribble you can't be guarded it's like there's no there's no knocking that but the offense and scheme and team around him they were not it was not designed for him that year and the year before you know we we are a team that just if we could play our game and not get bumped off of it we were really good we weren't going to get beat but we didn't really have answers when people took stuff away from us because our guys could only score in a certain way that's not this team Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady, Trevion Williams, those are three big-time scorers that can score in multiple ways and create baskets for other people in ways that if you have one answer, they're, they're going to change the question. And all of a sudden, you have to figure something else out. Yeah. I don't remember many Purdue teams like that. Because even the Klein-Edwards thing was entirely different because we were really just dependent on Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards making 10 out of 10 difficulty shots consistently. Yeah. And well, and they did and they did. And it, you know, it, it, it worked out great until that very last game, uh, when we just needed one more and couldn't, couldn't find it. So, um, like you said, I mean, just completely different Purdue teams, of course, completely different, uh, opponent here with Texas. Uh, but there is at least one name who is familiar, uh, Marcus Carr, formerly of Minnesota now with Texas after, um, Minnesota got rid of Patino Jr. He headed to Texas. Uh, but before we move on to look at really the rest of the Texas team and, and the matchup with Purdue, um, I saw Habitual Boiler tweeted a quote from Painter from the press conference that I thought was particularly funny, so I wanted to share it. Uh, when talking about fouling or not fouling up three, Painter said, yeah. quote, I've proven that we can lose either way, end quote. <laughs> and I just think yeah. if we... <laughs> If we could all have the sort of levity with our uh, failures, mistakes, whatever you want to call it, uh, the, as Painter, uh, there'd be a lot fewer heart attacks in our country. Let me just the say. The side glance he gave after saying it was oh, just mwah, chef clap. Perfect. Perfect. Down into the right and just full of mirth. Just like, uh Love it. It so, was it was perfect. Yeah. And that's that's just one of the many reasons we love having Painter as our coach. Uh 
at least he has a good sense of humor when stuff goes south on him. So, obviously, in the in the first matchup against Yale, Purdue dominated both with Jaden Ivey and Zach Eady. Does Texas have anybody who can uh, contain either one of those guys and really change how Purdue is going to have to play on offense? I mean, no, because they are both. I think everyone gives Ivy his proper due. He's going to be a top five NBA pick next year. Everyone knows what he is. It's time to talk about Edie as maybe, I mean, he's a top five post presence in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Might be the single handedly most hard to defend one-on-one player in the country. It's him and Drew Timmy. Or did I get the first name right? Yeah, I think it's Drew Timmy, right? Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy. And Edie does it in a fashion that's even more alarming than what Timmy does because he's not, he doesn't need to, like, he just stands there and exists and he's a bucket. And you know he's a bucket, and you can't let him get the ball. It, there's very few people who you have to just make sure they don't touch the ball as much as Zach Eady. And it's very hard to win games in the post, but it's also very hard to lose when you dominate them as much as he has this season. Yeah, and I mean, being seven foot four and being able to do what he does is incredibly hard, not only to replicate, but for anyone to guard. So... To have a guy like that on your team is, as you've said numerous times, it's a bit like a cheat code. But then to pair him with a guy like Ivy, who can do so many different things, really makes this Purdue offense so dynamic. And when the two of them are playing up to their potential, it's really hard for anyone to stop them. And we saw how good uh, Jaden Ivy was all over the court in that Yale game. Um, I mean, got to the free throw line a bunch of times, hit threes uh including one from what i called carson edwards range um and you know if he can do that and if we have zach Eady playing like he has been lately it is hard to stop this team so i think the offense is something we're not terribly worried about but can Purdue stop texas i mean what is texas's key on offense what are they good at on offense how do they make their money on the offensive end well we know one of the names Everyone in the Big Ten knows one of the names. Marcus Carr is a, he's only 6'2", 190, but he plays huge. He is a strong point guard, gets to the rim. The thing that scares me most is he is an elite playmaker for other people. He is, he had nine assists in the first tournament game. He has carved Purdue up in the past, getting into the lane, being patient, knowing how to attack, a good finisher at the rim. And then you're looking at Timmy Allen, a good score inside, kind of, He's a mid-range guy, uh, 6'6", 210, tries to play in the post. So it'll be interesting to see who we put on him and if he can have a success in there. And the wild card is Andrew Jones, who went absolutely off, had 21 points in the first tournament game, knocked down five threes. Uh, He's a kid who's been around for a long time, had a cancer for a couple years, stuck with the program. He used to be an elite shooter, really kind of struggled this year because the answer to the question on what Texas does well on offense is really not much overall on the season. Okay. Even though they're the 27th most efficient offense, they don't shoot the ball particularly well. They don't rebound the ball particularly well. They don't, uh, they're not a great assist team. They don't shoot a lot of threes, but their defense is phenomenal and they force turnovers. So they're going to get on the defensive glass. They're going to force turnovers, live ball turnovers, and they're going to run and they're going to use size and athleticism to try to get, uh, the game, you know, fast played. They want to get out and run. That's how they get points. That's how they get easy buckets. And that's what they rely on. 
So if you can make this a half-court game by not turning the ball over, we talk about this all the time. Purdue doesn't turn the ball over. Teams don't really have a chance. Unfortunately, unlike in the Big Ten, Texas is a team that forces a lot of turnovers. Right, right. And that that is what worries me. That is the biggest thing um, about this Texas team that worries me because Purdue has definitely – they've – been their own worst enemy when it comes to teams that are able to generate turnovers. So I really need Purdue to, you know, squeeze the orange, as they say, and take care of the basketball because uh, if they can do that, I think Purdue can walk out of here with a victory. Um, and I, I saw someone mention earlier, and I, I was looking for it as you were talking there, uh, but apparently Texas is not a very good defensive rebounding team. Uh, do, I don't know if you have they, any, any stats up on that, but uh, I believe I saw that and was trying to look for confirmation, but couldn't find anything. Yeah, I, the best thing you can really tell is what offensive rebounding percentage they give up, and they do give up quite a few offensive rebounds. They're, they're not big. The biggest thing is they're not much bigger than Yale. Their biggest guy is 6'9", Dylan Disu, and then they have Trey Mitchell at 6'9", 220, and then 6'7", 220, Christian Bishop. That those are the big guys. Timmy Allen will play big, but they're not a large, large, long team. They don't have any. They have one guy who is rebounding at anywhere close to a really good rate. That's Dylan Disu, their biggest guy, and he plays twenty percent of their minutes. So it's they don't dominate on the boards. So if you're looking for a clear advantage for Purdue, Trey Williams, Zach Eady on the inside. Look for Caleb First to play. Look for Caleb First to try to be an edge. They're going to double and triple team in the post right away. You they think can't so? afford to play. They can't afford to play one on one because if they play on one on one, they're going to get in foul trouble. They're already small. Uh, I would. I mean, I would think if they do double and triple team, I think they're more likely to get fouls called on them. Uh, no, because mm, I, I don't know. The, I mean, the way these, the way we saw Edie get officiated in the first game is much different than the way he was officiated in Big Ten season. And he was getting all the calls that I think he deserves to get. So Edie knows what he's doing under there when he's double teamed. Yes, he can occasionally get flustered and turn it over uh, and kind of lose his ability to uh, get to the hoop. But if he goes out there with confidence and goes after those double teams or triple teams, I think he can get them in foul trouble. I think he can get them in foul trouble. But if you're double and triple teaming, all of a sudden it's not just your big guy getting the fouls. Okay, okay, yes, yes, yes. I see what you're saying. So... If you leave them one-on-one, first of all, he's going to score on them. But second of all, they're going to have to foul just to try to defend him. And it's going to be just the big guy one-on-one. No one else is going to come in and get a swipe. So if you leave them one-on-one, also, that's not Chris Beard's defense. His defense is take away the middle, and once you force them baseline, you double, triple team, everyone comes at them, and then there's just no excuse. You get back on your rotation. That's why they always have an elite defense. That's why they force turnovers. The question is, is Trey a good enough passer to beat that? Is Edie big enough to where the double and triple teams, he can get the pass over their arms? And do we knock down shots off of them? I mean, I, I certainly think Trey is a, a good enough passer to get through those. Um, he had, I think, two or three turnovers in the Yale game. But it's one of those, he's just, he's made some bad passes recently. He tries to get a little too fancy rather than looking easy pass. But I trust Trey down there to find the open if someone comes at him and doubles him or triples him or whatever they do, because he will more likely than not, he will find the open. So, you know, the more I, I told you earlier in the group chat <laughs> that the more we've gone on and the more I've seen of Texas, the more I've read about him, the more confident I am uh, that Purdue can beat them. And 
if you know anything about me by listening to this podcast, you know anytime I'm confident, anytime I'm confident about Purdue, that means there's something in the back of my head going. But are you confident about Purdue? <laughs> Wait, what do you know? You know, so it's one of those things. I, I feel comfortable with this game tomorrow, but I just there is still like I'm like ninety percent confident with a ten percent. Uh, something's going to go terribly wrong gnawing at the back of my head. But I feel like that 90-10 is pretty comfortable for me. I'll, I'll take that. Um, and I know in the past, when you're confident about a victory, it spells doom for Purdue. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But uh, Casey, is there anything else we need to know about this Texas team? Otherwise, I'm going to put you on the spot for a prediction. I just think it's kind of interesting. This isn't particularly about Texas. But now, the way this bracket has broken out, these might be the two most talented teams in the conference. Uh, you mean the, Texas the is in the, in the region. Sorry. Okay. Um, Texas's advanced numbers on paper are crazy good. They're barely behind Purdue. Purdue is the 14th best in Ken Palm. Texas is the 15th. Ooh. But Texas is 22 and 11. Well, they had a really bad start to the season, if I recall. Um, or at least maybe conference no. season. Uh, they had a bad start to the conference season. Okay. They don't have any bad losses, though. I, we're talking a loss to Gonzaga, a loss to Seton Hall on the road, Oklahoma State on the road, Iowa State on the road. One bad loss, they lost to Kansas State at home. But in the final uh, about 12 games or so, they lost on the road to Texas Tech, on the road to Baylor, at home to Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas, TCU in the tournament. I just think it's great that Texas Tech beat them twice. Yeah, that that's wild. Um Clearly, that game matters a little more to Texas Tech because right. they are the scorned uh, ex-lover. Yes, because if, if you weren't paying attention, that was, of course, Chris Beard was the head coach of there. He was he also he went to school at Texas Tech, did he not? No, he went to Texas. The oh, reason he, he went to yeah, Texas okay, okay. is because that's home. That, yes, so yeah, he left Texas Tech. Yeah, he would have been a Texas. dick. Dick. Well, see, that's I thought there was some other factor there, but I I couldn't remember. Um, so he, of course, left Texas Tech in the offseason to right. go to Texas. Then they, of course, played each other twice, and Texas Tech uh, beat them both times. So I thought that was that was great poetic justice for those fans. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most hostile, crazy environments <laughs> yeah. you'll ever see. It was it was absolutely wild. But I mean, the reason the reason to be alarmed and the reason we should be alarmed is because this is a very good defensive team. They are going to make our guards work. Uh, we're going to need good Jason Ivy because I'm not sure we're Jason getting Jason Ivy. Jaden, Jaden, <laughs> Jaden, Jaden. We're going to need a really good Ivy because I don't know if we're going to get, I am less confident we're going to get good guard play elsewhere. Yeah. I, yeah, I think Eric Hunter's been problem. I, I'm not particularly worried about him, but does Sasha have it? Because yep. he never does in games like this. Yeah, and, that's and what I worry about. I don't mean to discourage or blank, just say he doesn't have it. This is a physical team that's going to make sure, I'm going to guess they're going to try to take him him away. They really, really concentrated on taking Dakota Mathias away uh, when they played, and that's the role Sasha plays. So look for them to try, much like MSU. Uh, Michigan State game is the comp to look for for this game. Similar body size. Michigan State has more bodies inside. But on the wing, those kind of athletes, they're, they're Michigan State with David Carr, and that's a little scary. Marcus Carr. God, what? David? <laughs> I, I got Raiders on the mind. I guess. All right. Late, lad, it is. It is. And we're recording this for the second time. So it's fair. So, all right. Uh, I don't know if you can remember the, the score you predicted last time, uh, but let's hear your prediction for tomorrow. 840 tip off on TNT Purdue versus Texas. Casey, who you got? I'm not going to change my vote. I'm going to go Purdue 74. 
Texas, 67. Okay. Uh, if I actually remember my score uh, from our recording on Friday, so I'm going to stick with that. I said Purdue as well, but I said 72 to 69. Can't so, handle a one-possession game, I, I, I can't do it. I got a one-possession game. It better game. be a one-possession because Marcus Carr makes another half-court uh, three-pointer at the end of the game. Yeah, there we go. Maybe, yeah. You don't Only know. way I could do Maybe it. it was a Purdue six, uh, and they just kind of screwed up everybody who bet on the game with a late bucket. Who knows? Uh, oh. But but there we go. So uh, Casey and I, again, it was such a late start. I don't know how we're going to record. Um, we, we may be... But we're oh, not recording Sunday night. <laughs> uh, I got to drive back to Lafayette afterwards. Uh, Unless unless you want to talk to me on the road, I, I can't guarantee the audio, Ledman. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I do not want you to die. So, uh, and also, depending on what states you're in, not sure of the legality there. So, would not recommend. But there I got you ha- hands free, Ledman. Yeah. Come on. There, not, well, I got Apple CarPlay. Good for you. I'm proud. Uh, <laughs> so, there you go, folks. Uh, Casey will be in attendance. Hopefully, he's going to have a good seat uh, courtside. Hopefully, I'm going to have a good time. Well, yeah, that too. I would rather... Let me sit in the Raptors if it means a good time. Yeah. So this is this is a trip to Sweet Six to the Sweet Sixteen on the line. Purdue, Texas. Oh, can I start pressuring you now? Oh, <laughs> go ahead. Come on, Philadelphia. It's two hours away from you. It is. I'll fly into Baltimore. We'll ride up together. We'll have a great time. You can tell me I will I won't even ask to drink from a fishbowl. <laughs> <laughs> that means a lot. That that says a lot. So uh, we will have to see what happens. Uh, Out of respect to your wife, not you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, obviously. Um, so, yes, it should Purdue win the next round. Uh, the Sweet oh. 16 is going to be in Philadelphia for the Boilermakers. So Live about, podcast? That's about two Live hours podcast? away. Uh, from stare into your eyes as right we talk. Uh, I'm not sure I can handle the tension. <laughs> Uh, so Casey is, is obviously going to be covering it if we go, and he's been pressuring me if I can do the same, we can get, uh, two credentials and both cover the game in person, but, uh, we will cross that bridge when we get there. So we'll, we'll see about that Sunday night and then get that, that started. So, uh, for Casey and myself, let's go Boilermakers. Let's get to the sweet 16. We can do this. Boiler up. All right. All right. Fingers crossed. Now, no, don't hang up. Don't even cry.